This is The Scoop on Life. Thanks so much for joining us once again. Chase and Lauren back here. And we have got a, uh, a great guest uh, today. We are joined by Henry Jernigan. And uh, we've been kind of previewing what we're going to be talking about um, over the last couple of weeks. We're going to get into um, disabilities and caring for those uh, with disabilities. And sometimes you may think, pro-life, what does that have to do with disabilities? We're going to talk about that today uh, with Henry Jernigan, who is a, a highly regarded pro-life speaker. Um, he's worked in, in film and TV and radio and um, goes around the country to speak to uh, local pregnancy centers to, to motivate people uh, to get involved with those centers. So Henry Jernigan, thanks so much for taking time with us today. Yeah, it looks better on paper. <laughs> when you read it, it's like, wow. Thank so, you for having me. Absolutely. So uh, share with us a little bit um, about your story here as we get started. Well, and uh, as it relates to Pierce, my oldest son, uh, who is actually now 18 years old, uh, I, w- I got married when I was 35 years old. Um, I was single for 35 years uh, and then got married and had a baby and two. I uh, got married in the year 2000, which uh, is awesome uh, because I'll always know how long I've been married. <laughs> I, I can do the math. Most guys have no clue how long they've been married. So, uh, you know, just take the year and that's that's it. So uh, about 18 months later, um, after, after we learned uh, we were going to have a baby, uh, I got this book that w- would walk me through the different stages of pregnancy. And uh, I would go through and it would, you know, say, here's your baby. It have a picture of your baby. And you know, here's your baby at week five. And I'm like, oh, look, honey, it's a booger. You know, it's really cute. You know, and then you get to week 10. You're like, oh, it's a tadpole now. It's like a little fish. You know, we'll call him sushi. And then we got to week 18. And week 18 said, you know, your doctor will probably want to run some tests uh, just to make sure everything's okay. And I, I'm not kidding. The next day the phone rang and it was our doctor's office. And they said, uh, hey, we want you to come in for some tests. And I said, I know the book said you'd be calling. So we went in for some tests and a few things concerned them. They called us back and we went uh, back to our doctor a few days later. And uh, on that day, I learned two things. I learned uh, the first that my baby would be a boy. Up to that point, I didn't know that. And, uh, and then I also learned that my boy was going to be born with a condition called spina bifida. And I had no idea what that was. I knew it didn't sound really good. Uh, Elizabeth and I quickly learned uh, that it was a very serious neurological condition. It wasn't going away unless God healed him. And so basically, for those that don't know what spina bifida is, in about the third week of development, before most people even know they're pregnant, Uh, is the baby's back and spinal cord and the spinal column and all that's kind of fusing together. The back doesn't completely enclose around spinal cord. And so it's exposed initially, not a big deal because it's tiny hole, but uh, as the pregnancy progresses, the hole gets bigger. The spinal cord is exposed for the duration of the pregnancy. So it greatly affects its development. And since the spinal cord is responsible for everything neurological from Breathing, eating, sleeping, going to the bathroom. There's a lot of potential issues. But the big one, uh, the big one was when the doctor looked at me in the eyes. He goes, you know, your son will probably never walk. And I was like, whoa. I, I didn't know how to process that. I, 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 at that time, I couldn't wrap my arms around that. And uh, he said, you know, if you want to terminate your pregnancy, I can put you in touch with someone. And to his credit, he didn't push uh, but he did tell us how hard it was going to be, and he gave us an out. And so I know what it's like to have that dangled uh, in front of me 
And I learned early then because my, you know, I went to church since nine months before I was born. Uh, my wife, her dad was a minister of music. She grew up in a church. And uh, so it wasn't something we ever entertained, although we did learn, you know, wow, you know, that, that you know, I learned that abortion is this, just in its simplest common denominator form. Abortion is man's attempt to fix a problem in their eyes. This is a problem. We will fix it. We will remove the problem. And what they don't process is that when God is part of the equation, there is no problem. There's no problem to fix because there's a bigger picture that we don't see. Uh, but one of my love for pregnancy centers is when you have a girl in a crisis pregnancy. Uh, I mean, we had pretty much crisis pregnancy, even though it was planned. Uh, it was crisis in terms of how do we adapt and what do we do and how do we move forward and how are we going to afford or pay for. So a lot of the thoughts that a girl goes through, you know, I was freaking out. I was 35 years old. I can't imagine a girl that's 17 uh, and not married. So uh, they can't see the big picture. You know, they can't see, uh, they're, they're kind of looking at, you know, how am I, you know, college or how, how am I going to afford this or what, you know, but God's got the bigger picture of what he's going to do in and through the circumstances. It's beyond anything uh, that you could imagine. Is it easy? No. Uh, but most people's lives aren't, you know, you know, no matter how much money you have and how famous you are, you know, people have tough lives, you know? And so, uh, uh, but if, if you take a step back and let God uh, reveal to you his plan and purpose for that life, uh, amazing things can happen. Yeah. So uh, here on this podcast, we've been trying to kind of explore all forms of being pro-life. And when, uh -huh. when people hear pro-life, most of the time they just think of the unborn. Uh, but yet pro-life, uh, you know, is consists of special needs and, and disabilities. So why uh, should those who are pro-life care about those with special needs and disabilities having, you know, lived this firsthand? Well, because I, I think Christians and most people that are pro-life are believers. I, I know there's some crossover um, and probably crossover both ways. But, you know, people that are believers believe that God has a plan and purpose for every life, regardless of the circumstances. You know, I could be in a car wreck tomorrow and lose my ability uh, to walk. Um, it You know, life happens, but uh, life is life and you embrace it and you, and you enjoy it or, or, you know, that's your choice or you can be a bitter old man. You know, this, the story, let me, I want to say something really, uh, one day I told, uh, and these are my circumstances, you know, th there's all sorts of circumstances, but in, in terms of what I've experienced in my household, I, uh, I remember vividly, I was in the kitchen with my wife, Elizabeth, and, and, uh, I said, I don't like the word handicap. And she said, okay. And I said, well, you know, I'm not going to petition Congress. Uh, you know, it doesn't offend me. I just, if my dad looked at me and said, you have a handicap or you have a disability, that would, that would have an impact on me. And so I just don't want to call it that. I just, I'm just saying as for our household, I don't want to use the word. And, but again, you know, it does if, if somebody says it, I'm like, that's fine. You know, I just, I don't want to look at Pierce and go, you have a handicap. Or I don't want him to hear me talking to somebody and refer to him as having that. And so she said, what do you want to call it? And I said, I don't know. I just came up with the idea. <laughs> uh, let me think. And she said, well, what about handicap parking? What do you want to call that? Because up to that point, we said, you know, handicap parking. And Pierce was little. 
at the time. And I said, well, why do we park there? And she said, well, because he's in a wheelchair. And I said, okay, let's call it wheelchair parking. Cause that's what it is. He's in a wheelchair and we'll call it wheelchair parking. And he made the, uh, so even when he was tiny, he made the association. He saw the placard hanging in our uh, rear view mirror. And then he would see the sign uh, for a wheelchair parking or handicap parking. And he was like, Oh, that's the same thing, you know? And so we started calling it wheelchair parking. Well, we had moved to North Carolina and it was like the day before Christmas. And I was such a guy because I was at that point looking, this is before internet, you know, where everything was on Amazon. And I was looking for a Christmas present for Elizabeth the day before Christmas. And we went to big mall. <laughs> and so uh, we had a big Dillard's it was covered parking. We went on cars were everywhere. And we went in and right there in front of Dillard's 10 feet from the store was wheelchair parking. Boom. I didn't circle. I didn't, I mean, it was just like straight in parked. I was like thrilled. I turned around to Pierce. He was like six, seven years old. I said, dude, thank you for the parking spot. And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, because you're in a chair, we get like the best spot ever. I said, you see these cars driving around, they're going to be driving around for 30 minutes. And when they do park, they're going to wish they didn't walk. And so thank you for the parking spot. And he goes, you're welcome. And so the next day we parked or the next time we parked in wheelchair parking, he said, uh, I, I got out to get him and he goes, Hey dad. And I said, what? And he goes, you didn't say thank you. And I was just like, you know, it's the same circumstance. It's a parking spot. We started calling it rockstar parking. That's what we start. So every time we got a great parking spot because of Pierce, it was like, everybody would applaud. It was like, woo. And so one day he was like, again, about this time he goes, dad, uh, I said, yeah. And he goes, what's it like to walk? I was like one of these questions you're not really ever prepared for. And I'm like, I'm praying, like almost speaking in tongues, praying. I'm like, oh God, tell me what to say. I'm just, uh, and I feel like God gave me just awesome, awesome wisdom at that moment. Doesn't happen often, but at that moment, and he was like, what's it like to walk? And I looked at him and I said, Pierce, it's overrated. <laughs> I mean, if you did it for a day, it would lose its thrill. I mean, and everybody that walks does everything they can not to. I mean, we park as close as we can to the store. We park as close as we can. We take the elevator. We take the escalator. We sit down every chance we have. I say, you get to sit all the time. I said, you're the one that's got it made and your feet don't get sore and your legs don't hurt. And he was like, cool. So, you know, we kind of adopted this philosophy and I'm not glossing over anything. I'm not sweeping it under the carpet. I mean, he's been through 20 surgeries. We've had probably a year of his life in a hospital at times. And, um, but even that perspective, his perspective is one, one girl texted him one time and said, I'm sorry, you're in the hospital again. And just one day, you know, when you get to heaven, everything will be awesome and you'll be walking and blah, blah, blah. And everything will be great. And he was like, well, it's not that bad. Actually. He said, when I'm in the hospital, I get free food. People come to see me. It's a pretty good deal. So again, it's your perspective. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know if I even answered closely your question, but um, in terms of, you know, the, God's got a plan and purpose for every life. I, I thank Pierce for my job. You know, I get to speak because of him. <laughs> um, well, and you even answered that, I feel like a little bit um, at the beginning, because talking about, you know, I, I guess I never thought about it that way. You know, when the doctor presented it to you and your wife as, you know, are you going to keep this baby? Like you said, you've, you've been there, you've been in that moment of crisis pregnancy of, are we going to do this? You know? And, um, obviously, you know, you having chosen life for Pierce, I feel like that gives you wisdom and insight into serving and caring about the women that, you know, 
pregnancy centers see every single day. And yeah. so that's really awesome. And one thing to kind of follow up from that, that I, I did want to ask you about mm-hmm. was in regards to the church and people coming around your family and supporting you all over the last, how old is Pierce now? He is 18. So over the last 18 years of caring for Pierce, loving Pierce, um, what are some ways, I guess, that churches and families and friends have really walked this path with you guys and served you and loved you well? Wow. <laughs> In different churches, uh, so many ways. I mean, just the, the, the friendships and relationships that you build in a church, because if all of a sudden we had an, an emer- Elizabeth, with her not driving, she is like rarely out of town, but she was visiting her mom and dad. And uh, I was at home. I was like, yeah, everything's good. Go visit mom and dad and just get her out of the house. And uh, we have the, at the time we had the two other boys, not even the, the girl yet. And um, so Pierce had a medical emergency where I had to call 911. And I'm all of a sudden in this circumstance where Pierce, I need to go with Pierce to the ER. I've got two little boys. I can't take them with me to the ER. And uh, Elizabeth got on the phone and uh, within like, 20 minutes, we had families over watching the boys. So I could go, Pierce went in the ambulance and I was able to catch up with him. Um, and uh, then they were, you know, babysitting the boys, spending the night in our house, watching them, uh, doing meal trains. Uh, there were times where, you know, we come home from a hospital stay and they would have lined up, our Sunday school class or small group uh, would have lined up, you know, a month of meals. We didn't even need a month of meals. You know, we were back up on our feet maybe a week or two, but, you know, still, not having to worry about fixing dinner, um, having people watch the boys or just, uh, just you know, the church body is, is relationships on, on the, the smaller, smaller scale. On, on the big scale, we had a church that did, um, had a special needs ministry. Uh, they would, um, once or twice a month, they would let parents come in, drop off their children and, and go out for a couple hours just to, have uh, go out and get some coffee or just have the two of them because uh, it is time consuming at times. Um, just some of the medical things that have to happen here and there, here and there. And uh, you know, it becomes routine, um, but it still takes up time. So uh, we've had so much help and support and just awesome friendships. And the other thing I can think of is just uh, within our church, uh, nobody treats them any different. Yeah. You know, because him in a chair, that's not his identity. I mean, when I, when I mentioned I have a son named Pierce, I don't say I have a son named Pierce. He has spina bifida. I don't go, hi, I'm Henry. I have ADD or here's my brother. He's got, um, what are you, diabetes, <laughs> you know, that's not your identity. Right. And so it's just, he, he Pierce is Pierce. He just happens to get around in a chair. So, uh, and can, I, I want to ask something on that side too. And even hearing you say that about how you got to the point when Pierce was little, where you didn't want to call it handicap parking. Well, you were mm-hmm. in it, you were experiencing, you, you didn't like that. And so you thought, how can we make this better? How, you know, rock star parking. Okay. That's awesome. But then for somebody like me or anybody else who may be listening that, you know, I personally just haven't had um, a lot of chances to be around the Pierces of the world, you know, and, and those who get to rename, uh, wheelchair parking to rockstar parking, you know what I mean? And so how would you encourage people like me and others who maybe just haven't had good opportunities, whether they're not in, you know, I don't, you know, our church doesn't have anyone like Pierce in it right now or, right. you know, to say, how do we, 
how do we engage them in a way that's loving? You know, it can be uncomfortable if you're not sure how to engage that person. You know, you don't want to address them as, oh, this is Pierce and he's got spina bifida. How do I go talk to him? Like, would you say you would just go talk to him like you would anybody? You know what I mean? I think just sometimes it it's uncomfortable when we're not used to it, you know? It, it, and that's okay. You know, I think there, when Pierce grew up, I mean, there was oftentimes uh, where, you know, uh, somebody his age would come up and go, why are you in a chair? Or why don't you walk? Or, you know, even like, are your legs broke? You know, and I had to go, they're not being, you know, they're just being curious and uh, it doesn't accomplish anything to get, I think the first time it happened, I was kind of, <laughs> excuse me. Um, but I was like, you know, they're not being, me- they're, you know, they're, they're being children and they're asking genuine questions. You know, why are, why are you in a chair or why? And, uh, you know, I just talked to Pierce about it and I said, this may happen time to time. And, um, you know, so it got, it, it was kind of funny because uh, over a period of time when he was little, you know, if somebody came up and said, why are you in a chair? Why don't your legs work? He would just go, dad. <laughs> I would say, well, his, his legs don't work like yours do. And he's in a chair because that's how he gets around. And that's the way God lined it up for him. And he's cool with it. And you can be cool with it too. And just, and they'd usually be like, okay, you know, so, I mean, he was never bullied. He was never, um, I mean, he's very, you need to do another podcast and do do it with Pierce because he is, uh, in our whole family, he's probably the most psychologically healthy of all of us. Uh, he is very sanguine. He's very talkative. Um, he has never, um, I won't say never, but He's never complained about his circumstances. He's never gone why I'm in a chair. Um, I feel God led me early on, again, not to sweep it under the carpet, but not draw unnecessary attention to it. Uh, so we've never placated. We've never, um, I saw, he went to a camp, um, awesome camp. And there's two camps in North Carolina and they have like, uh, both of them had like spina bifida week. They would have another week would be like cancer week or uh, cerebral palsy week or so. It gave him a chance to be with, peers and everybody that was at the camp that week uh, was in a chair uh, and had spina bifida. And so he had really awesome friendships. And so this one particular camp did a promo video uh, just to promote the camp. You didn't have to even pay for this camp. It was free. Wow. And so they had a soundbite from a little girl and she said, I can't wait all year for this camp. This is the one week out of the year, I feel normal. And that my heart broke for her. Yeah. Cause I'm like, why do you have to wait? For, and as awesome as the camp is, and as awesome Pierce loved the camp too, but for your life to be normal for one week out of the year, how sad is that? Yeah. I'm like, Oh baby girl, you know, you, you know, you have a life that's 51 other weeks, you know, it doesn't have to be just on that one but how many of us live for that vacation? You know, that one week out of the year where we just can't wait to escape or that's our week of living, you know? So life has no boundary as to what you're, whether you're in a chair or not. I started praying for God every, oh, God, if I can remember the story. Um, we were talking about heaven one time and uh, he was like, what, what's heaven like? And I'm like, wow, Pierce, you know, that's a really deep question, <laughs> I think. Heaven is going to be amazing beyond anything we can imagine. I think there's going to be colors we've never seen. I can't prove this biblically, but, you know, for me personally, colors we've never seen. I think, you know, senses and things. 
And uh, it's just going to be amazing. And I said, you know, our life on this planet is another wisdom moment, I believe, from God. Again, not many, but this is one of them. I said, our life on this planet is like a grain of sand. And eternity is the, the whole beach, not just the beach, but every other beach in the world and then beyond that. And yet we get so wrapped up in this grain of sand. Our goal on earth is to live to be 100, have a healthy life. But, and I think of this, you know, with, with the unborn and, and even, you know, because, you know, we, we had times in the hospital where we'd be there for like six weeks, a month, but there was children there for months. There was children there for a year. So there was children there that didn't come out of the hospital. And so who am I to talk about this six weeks I had in the hospital? Right. That's nothing. But I told him, I said, you know, we, if, if we live to be 100 years old, if you die when you're two months old or if you die when you're 100, either one of those matched up to eternity is nothing. Nothing. If you die in the womb, you compare that to eternity. It's nothing. Yeah. And we've had three, we've had a three, four miscarriages. I mean, that's sad. I can't even remember four. And they're in the presence of God for eternity. And, you know, um, anyway, I'm rambling. That's, that's what it's about. It, I mean, it's about living life. And so I started praying for, um, I started praying for Pierce to, um, early on, I was, I prayed for him to live. Uh, when one day when he was dying in my arms or when I thought he was dying in my arms, uh, when he was little, uh, I was putting, we, we had a medical emergency. I was putting him in his car seat. Um, Elizabeth, we were headed to, uh, we lived in Nashville. We were headed to Vanderbilt and, uh, his head slumped over, body went limp, eyes closed. I thought he was dying. And, uh, it occurred to me later when everything wound up being okay. Um, the last thing at that moment I was praying for was for him to walk could have cared less. Right. I wasn't going, Oh God, let him walk. I was going, let him live. Yeah. Don't take him. Don't take him. Let him live. I mean, and that impacted me so much. I started praying for him to live. I mean, when I say live, I mean, have abundant, fulfilling, purposeful life to suck the life out of life, to be in the center of God's will. I, I realized that that was a perspective from God. I had not had to that point up to that point. It really been a struggle, not just accepting our circumstances, but just trying to figure it out, you know, what, okay, God, what's your, you know, struggling with, what's your plan, you know, with all of this. And then, um, and then to have that perspective of, it meant nothing to me. Walking meant nothing. I would rather him live and not walk than walk and not live. And so, oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. So, no, I was going to say, and I would love to continue that conversation with Pierce. I think that would be fantastic. So we'll definitely have to check in to have an email soon to follow up from all of that. So, Henry Jernigan, uh, thank you first for, for being on with us, but thank you for being willing to share your story and 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 use you know your story to help others and to uh in, to inspire others and uh so thank you so much and thank you for your heart and for being with us today well thank you for having me it was a uh, blessing to meet you both and um yeah i hope, I hope our cross hope, hope our paths cross 